In this week's Torah portion, Chaye Sarah, Sarah dies, and Abraham, a ger toshav, a resident alien in Canaan, negotiates with the local Hittites to buy a cave, Machpelah and Hebron, so that he can bury his dead. A local leader, Ephron, offers Abraham the land as a gift. But Abraham insists on paying for it and owning it outright. Af imatalu shemani. If only you would hear me out, Abraham says. Let me pay the price of the land. Accept it from me that I may bury my dead there. Both the biblical text and its commentaries go to great lengths to emphasize that the land in the city of Hebron was acquired legally for a more than full price and with sufficient witnesses. It is hard to read this story, this ancient story, and not think about it in the present day. Not only because Hebron and Machpelah themselves have become a flashpoint for the conflict, the site of some of the scariest violence and hate on both sides. But because of the ever-present themes of family, loss, memory, land, ownership, and legitimacy. I just returned from a trip to Israel this week. I participated in a Bay Area Jewish Christian leadership seminar with our local Jewish Community Relations Council and the Shalom Hartman Institute. 20 Christian clergy and five rabbis spending 10 intense days grappling with the state of Israel, but also with the history of our tradition's complicated relationship and with the racism and sexism in American society today. Like so often when you have an intense trip and you come back to regular life, I am just beginning to truly process my takeaways from the trip. This is likely the first of, I'm apologizing in advance, likely be many attempts to organize and articulate my thoughts. There may be many sermons about this trip in the future. We heard a broad spectrum of voices in our travels from the principal of a new high school, Chokmat Lev, for Haredi, for ultra-Orthodox teen boys, that dares to teach secular subjects like math and science amidst immense communal pressure, to meeting with Daror Yehoshua, a Kurdish Jewish Talmud scholar and social activist who is trying to keep Mizrahi, Middle Eastern young adults, off the streets and out of jail, by teaching them to be proud of their unique, often ignored Jewish heritage. To Yad Bayad, a network of six Jewish Arab integrated bilingual schools, where each classroom has a Jewish and Muslim teacher, ensuring that the students become fluent in both Hebrew and Arabic. To Roots, a partnership of Palestinian and Jewish settlers in the West Bank, trying to create change together. And we shared our own stories. We heard our own voices 
from our community's struggle with an increasingly prohibitive cost of living in the Bay Area, to BDS, to Black Lives Matter, not to mention dramatic teenage daughters, demanding board presidents, and sermon writers block, something that every clergy member can empathize with. There were moments of laughter and moments of tears. There were great reasons for hope and despair simultaneously, almost in every moment that we were with each other. And there was one common theme that struck me throughout our trip. I didn't hear about peace, about solving the conflict, even about coexistence that much. I think the failure of the Oslo Accords and its aftermath has made most wary of those words, not to mention the possibility of them. Instead, I heard a new recognition of the need to change strategies. I heard about the need to listen to each other's story. I heard about being willing to recognize the other's narrative. Whether it was a Greek Orthodox Palestinian tour guide at the Church of the Nativity, or the owner of a Druze restaurant whose son is an officer in the Israeli Defense Forces, everyone wanted to be part of the never-ending story of the land. Listen to the mission statement of Roots, the organization in the West Bank that we visited. Based on a mutual recognition of each people's connection to the land, we are developing understanding and solidarity despite our ideological differences. Roots is a place where local peoples can take responsibility. Our work is aimed at challenging the assumptions our communities hold about each other, building trust, and creating a new discourse around the conflict in our respective societies. We met with a Palestinian man from Bethlehem who told us that he joined Roots despite his family's severe disapproval because it was the first time that he heard a Jewish Israeli, a modern Orthodox settler, no less, speak with authenticity and admit the existence of occupation. It struck me how empowering language can be. Being willing to even utter the words Palestinian, occupation, Nakba, without immediately degrading or delegitimizing them. How powerful it can be to feel heard and recognized in a way that the theories of real politique often miss. Economic incentives and military deterrence are not the only effective tools of diplomacy. There is something about just listening that can have a proud, profound effect on people's willingness to change. Studying with Rabbi Danielle Hartman, the director of the Shalom Hartman Institute, at the end of the trip really helped frame all of these individual voices. Over six hours of text study, only clergy find this kind of thing exhilarating, but after six hours with him, he argued for accountability and justice. For accountability and justice. For the ability to say, Hatati lefanecha, I have sinned before you, and I am sorry. How can I address the harm? But he also asked, 
How can I address the harm without losing my own identity? Without it becoming almost a suicide mission? He was neither defensive nor was he defeatist. He was both compassionate and realistic, a scholar and a soldier when he taught us. And while he did not have all of the right answers, or maybe he did, I don't know what they are anymore, I really resonated with this careful balancing act that he was trying to strike. I want to be able to acknowledge wrong. I want to be able to feel empathy and even some guilt for another's oppression. Yet I still want to feel proud and authentic in my connection to Israel and to the dream of Jewish power. I don't want to have to make Zionist a dirty word to prove my liberal credentials here or anywhere. I want to be able to feel that I can be authentic with others without having to lose my own story in the process. I flew home last week on the new nonstop United flight, which was filled with Israeli techies going to Dreamforce, its own commentary on relations between the Bay Area and Israel. But I flew back with a new deep relationship with many interfaith clergy in our community, and also with a sense of mission to try to determine my own version of Hartman's call for accountability and justice. I admit that I often hide from these issues. Israel feels like the third rail of a contemporary liberal rabbinate often. It's more rewarding to name a sweet new baby boy as I did this week, or to warn about renewed anti-Semitism, which is real, or to help those who lost their homes in the North Bay fires. And when I do have to talk about it, it's easier to tell a funny story from my courtship with David in Jerusalem, or to study the writings of early 19th century Zionists and intellectually analyze what they were thinking and why. It's not that none of those things matter, but long bus rides with my fellow Christian clergy reminded me that this issue defines us whether we want to or not, whether we want it to or not. It's there when we try to build coalitions with other minorities. It's there when we send our teens to college campuses as freshmen. It's there even when we sit down for a Thanksgiving meal with our increasingly diverse family and friends. I'm only, uh, I'm only a few days home, and I may need a week without jet lag to really figure out what's next. But consider this the beginning of my public commitment to that process, of trying not to be so afraid and so avoidant, of really trying to bring my own sense of what it means to not only say hatati lefanacha, to recognize the complicity of myself and my community, but to also recognize the ways in which our voices are equally legitimate in the conversation. Medieval commentator Rashi paraphrases Abraham's words to Ephron the Hittite in this week's Torah portion in Genesis 23:13. Af imatalushamani, I only wish that you would listen to me. Abraham saying, I only wish you would listen to me.
I heard that same yearning in the many encounters I had last week. More than anything, this chip gave me an incredibly sacred gift, a rare gift of being able to have hard, honest conversations with calm, mature, relational people of faith. Maybe the fact that even that can happen is a cause for optimism. Those of you who know me better know that I am far from a let's just listen to each other and hug kind of person. That's not what I am saying tonight. I am a student of history, I'm a pragmatist, and I am a passionate protector of a vibrant Jewish future. And as an American Reform female rabbi, I am not trying to tell Israel how to make it all better. I'm not taking one trip there and solving every problem. My role is to guide my community here at home in how to talk about Kalal Yisrael, how to talk about the Jewish people, and how we relate, or how others perceive we relate, to Israel is part of that mission. This process starts with active listening and a public recognition of multiple narratives as a foundation for a much larger and needed conversation about relationship building for change. That is why Roots's mission statement starts with changing the discourse and taking responsibility in order to then try to resolve the conflict. So on this Shabbat, my prayer for us, may we truly listen to the others in our lives and may we ask to be heard. Shabbat Shalom.